0: With sports car racing news and analysis from around the globe, this is the Double Stint Podcast. Here's John DeGeese and Ryan Marine.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast in Indianapolis. I'm Ryan Marine, John DeGeese in Chicago with me for another episode of the podcast. It's a grab bag of news topics from the last week basically to take us through our show here this week and John will start with... Some uh, some news out of the ACO with the 24 Hours of Le Mans test day now officially off the books. For the first time in a decade, we won't have that big test day in the lead-up to the 24-hour classic now scheduled for September.
0: Yeah, I, I think... There was a lot of people asking us, I think, in the last couple of weeks, oh, when do you think the test day will be scheduled? And and is that why the, the 24-hour moto race was moved? And I sort of had, had it in the back of my head that there would be no test day just because of the fact of the compressed schedule and sort of the unprecedented times we're in. And um, we got that confirmation finally from the ACO that they have elected to forego the test day. And um, also in that News came a preliminary schedule of events for the week of Le Mans, and it's basically looks very similar to what we have had in the past with scrutineering on Sunday and Monday prior to the race, and then practice and qualifying on the Wednesday and Thursday. So, um, still waiting for more of a detailed schedule. I think that'll be coming in the next few weeks, and um, fingers crossed, we sort of get some more news on that front. Um, I, but I think as things are starting to become slowly into place, we, we start seeing all of that become a little bit clearer. And um, again, for me, you know, having no test day is not a huge surprise. Um, Like you said, Ryan, it's been more than a decade. So I guess people who have sort of been following this, maybe on the more recent side, um, don't have memories of having no test day. But I remember both in 2009 and 2010, it was canceled due due to the uh, global economic um, downturn. downturn. It returned again in April of 2011. I remember Flying out to Lama on Easter weekend hmm. um, to to do the test day then, and that was some you know two months before the race, and it was a bit of a weird feeling because you know why why is it held so far before the race? And in that instance, I don't actually remember the reason why, but um, nonetheless, it, it evolved back to the two weeks before the race, and it ultimately has been that way since. But Um, I think we can expect probably some additional practice sessions into the race week. We haven't seen the detailed schedule, like I said. So um, in those years that it was canceled, I think we had an additional couple hours of free practice. And I I think we should probably have something similar. you know, track availability is always a bit difficult because they closed down the road. I think on Wednesday around noontime, maybe they're going to close down the public roads a little earlier this year. You know, we don't know. But um, all in all, I, I think it really came as no surprise that there's no test day. And at least this gives teams some extra flexibility, especially because their other championships will still be ongoing in a much compressed time frame you know you look at what the weather tech championship did with moving the 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 race at laguna seca a week earlier um that would have been put it right on the test day weekend had it been you know happening in a traditional manner so i i think um hats off to the aco for sort of understanding these tough times and not i'm trying to cram too much into um, the month of september
1: do you think this is something that comes back when we return to normal, or perhaps is this uh, this test day something that maybe has outlived its usefulness? Maybe it's not something that's going to be necessary moving forward.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's really as necessary anymore, especially since we've moved to this winter calendar where Loma is the season finale, um, because he's, the majority of the teams are more or less WEC-based, and... They've had a, a whole season of racing under their belts already. And even like the teams from Asia that come over, um, they've just come off the heels of a, of a winter series in the Asian Lama series. So, personally, and, and looking at the reason why the test day was canceled last time it was due to the economic downturn, I'm pretty sure we're going to have similar economic challenges when we do get back in 2021. So, it would actually surprise me to see the test day continue, in, at least in its current. Status. Um, maybe it could be a case of building out the race week with an additional day of practice. Maybe having something on, you know, the Tuesday or something, you know, of race week of having a test session in the afternoon. I, I don't know. It's just pure speculation for the future. But uh, it, it, to me, the test day really never made a whole lot of sense recently, just because it was only a single day. All the build up, all the teams arriving. You know, making a whole month out of Lama activities just because you have to be there so far in advance in order to get things set up, and that created a, a huge amount of expense, especially for a, a, a team based overseas. So, so I, I think it's time to sort of look at the economic situations, and there's going to be a lot of that moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I think this might be the start of something of a trend, at least for I'm for Le not having a test day for the foreseeable future.
1: I was wondering if you might come with that conclusion, but it's something I've been wondering about since this news came down. You know, what What was the point of this test day? Do we really need this moving forward? There is a lot of expense related, and maybe as so many other championships are doing in this time, this is a, a chance to try something because you got to do things differently for various reasons during this time, and maybe this is one of those situations. We see how things go. Maybe the conclusion is that uh, that it's not necessary moving forward, but we'll have to wait and see. Speaking of the ACO, certainly they're a, a big part in all of the prototype convergence that we've been discussing for months now, it would seem, since back at the Rolex 24 at Daytona. And oh boy, have things changed a lot since then, now that I think yeah. about it. But uh, nevertheless, convergence still very much on the mind. We've had some Uh, Some more stories out of a couple of our prospective manufacturers, both on the LMH side with Toyota and LMDH. Porsche is certainly one of the manufacturers that we think is poking around and assessing the situation there. So let's start on the Toyota side. uh, The story that there is some interest from Toyota in contesting select IMSA races with their LMH hypercar Assuming, of course, that those do end up as eligible within IMSA moving forward.
0: Yeah, and that's the big question. We still don't have answers. For. Um, there was a bunch of confusion during the convergence announcement at Daytona whether LMH cars would be allowed in the WeatherTech Championship. Um, it was sort of a case of asking one person said yes, one person said no, the other person said yes. And <laughs> I was sort of left scratching my head thinking, well, what's going on here? And I thought we were all in agreement and in unison here. Um, I'm sure there's been further discussions. I know there has been. Uh, It's sort of a case of figuring out how they're going to relate in terms of the performance window. And what we got out of the FIA a few weeks ago in terms of having LMH and LMDH have very similar performance levels, arrow levels, and power levels, that would sort of seem to me to indicate that it's most likely going to happen where you would have a full convergence across both platforms in both series. Now, we're still waiting for that confirmation. Um, maybe we'll get some news later this week on, in terms of the regulations. Um, you know, it sounds to me, um, having heard from Pascal Zerlinden, from Porsche, and from Rob Leupen from Toyota, that the regulations are due soon within the next few days, um, maybe next week at the latest. But um, there's definitely been some progress made with some video um, teleconferencing and, and whatnot between the constructors and, and 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 manufacturers. But I think that it will happen. I think LMH probably will be likely be eligible in IMSA, but it's the question of who will actually take part. And like you said, Toyota's shown some interest, but let's stress that they're still fully focused on a wec program first so while it would be cool to see the lmh toyotas take part in the rolex 24 um, on the current schedule right now there is a wec race the week after in kailami for instance so it it makes it sort of logistically challenging especially if you were to use the same chassis i don't think it would actually work Uh, there's no way it would work so Um, And then also the prospects of having Toyota race full time in IMSA, I think is highly unlikely. Having spoken to the TRD folks, um, I'm David Wilson, the the president and general manager of of TRD in the US, which oversees all of the um, racing activities for Toyota largely in NASCAR, um, and also now the budding GT4 program with the Supra, he's indicated that it makes no financial sense for them to even look at utilizing the LMH platform in the U.S., and if they were to look at a prototype, it would most likely be LMDH with the Lexus brand, and so that makes the most sense for them. Um, I think that's the direction that Toyota overall would be looking in the States, but it would be kind of cool to see TMG and and you know the the same team that operates the WEC program do a couple one off races, much like Peugeot did in the in the old days with the 908. And I think that would bring a lot of uh, similarities, you know, between the, the the two different series together, if that's possible. And even Rob Leupen sort of even hinted that hey, maybe the WEC would want to have the Rolex 24 be included as part of the WEC in the future. I again, I don't know how that even be done. We've had combined races in the past that never really went to plan. If you look back at Sebring, mm-hmm. the first inaugural WEC round where ended up being 12 different classes, an hour and a half long podium ceremony, <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but I think that if we end up with something where perhaps Daytona could be. A part of the WEC, maybe for a selected few categories, that would be really cool. But again, I think we're dreaming right now. We need to wait to see the final regs. We need to see who's going to be taking part in what. Um, what other manufacturers will will Glickenhaus be on the grid still amid this uh, these latest series of events? You know, even speaking with Toyota, with um, uh, with Rob ad- admitted that they're heavily delayed right now on the LMH development because they're waiting on parts and a lot of manufacturers a lot of companies have shut down production of of things because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic and manufacturers are kind of left waiting to see what' what's happening and and so for like a manufacturer like Toyota that's relying on components from all around the world including for com- components in Japan and China you know it, it puts delays on things but at the same time we don't we know that the LMH platform will most likely not debut on its originally intended timeframe. We you know, it was originally announced that it would be September of this year. Now we've had Lama being pushed back to September of late September of this year and that's for the previous season so um, we're hopeful that we'll get some further clarification potentially later this week on the some calendar adjustments for WEC and that would probably mean the the pushing back or delaying of the next season of the championship maybe to 2021 who who knows Um, and that brings on a whole other set of questions of you know does it sort of end up making it a does does the elimination does it include the elimination of a winter calendar? Do we go back to a normal calendar year schedule, which I think personally I would be in favor of. Um, speaking to some teams, they're sort of 50 50 on it right now, but I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes, you know, to figure out what the next step is in terms of just getting the regulations finalized for the future, and then what will the calendars look like, especially on the WEC side?
1: Yeah, really complicated stuff. And while we're talking calendars, we'll double back on Porsche in just a second. But uh, we do expect some news, like you hinted, around the WEC, but not just the WEC. Some other calendar updates could begin the pipeline later on this week, correct?
0: I, it could be this week. It could be later. We, we don't know exactly yet. But SRO, um, which has been pretty much, I think, the most proactive organizer um, out of the sports car racing paddocks in terms of having contingency plans in place, um, having backup races, you know, figuring out what to do in the case of the coronavirus uh, pandemic continuing. Um, They've informed teams uh, this week that of some potential plans in place for alternative races, for, uh, you know, other rounds, Taking their place uh, in, instead of the original schedule, so um, we could have that you know be released later this week. I don't I don't know exactly. I think that it's everything's so tentative, as the whole world is still taking stock of how long this is going to be. You know, are we talking just a few months? Uh, is it going to be longer? Is it we going to be going into the the, uh, the fall? I, there's still a lot of questions. But um, hearing that what about the SRO has communicated with teams, it's been Quite impressive to see how detailed they've gotten in terms of all their various championships um, plans. You know to make sure they're avoiding clashes with other series that a lot of teams compete in both championships with. Um, namely, like namely um, ADAC GT Masters. Um, they're very mindful of that. They're also mindful of of big races like the Spa 24 and and potential government uh, restrictions on large scale events in Belgium in July. So there's a lot of things to go are going into place right now and trying to figure out what the actual calendar will be. And I think these are the same discussions that are going on with the ACO and the FIA right now for WEC. So um, it's still early days. I I think if we do get any calendar announcements this week, it probably will all be very provisional at best still. But um, I have to say I've been very impressed with what's The dialogue between teams, and this includes IMSA too, and when they made their calendar updates last week, um, I've been very impressed with how these series are taking very, very uh, detailed approaches in terms of what could happen. What's the backup plan if this race can't move forward? Then what? What's next? Will the race be moved here or moved there, or will it? Could there be a triple header weekend instead of a double header? You know, the, there's been talk of that for SRO America, um, as well as in Europe as well. So um, lots of interesting dialogue, and I think it's too early to speculate specifically and name tracks and name. Venue specifically because everything is still very fluid, but um, I think fans should be rest assured that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes right now to uh, figure these out, figure these things out, and sanctioning bodies are definitely not standing still um, during this uh, downtime.
1: No, the contingency plans are pretty detailed at this point, and uh, yeah, all credit to those in organizational positions because this is a lot to sift through, as I'm sure you can tell. And a lot of moving parts as well go into all of this. So let's go back to Porsche. We talked about Toyota earlier. Porsche with some, uh, well, I guess in the news to some degree once again. We know that they've been poking around expressing interest in LMDH. And we had a chance to speak with Pascal Zerlinden from Porsche. And he kind of gave an update on where they stand, what they're evaluating at this stage.
0: Yeah, um, we had confirmation shortly after the Rolex 24 that Porsche was actively evo- actively evaluating LMDH. We had exclusive quotes from um, Dr. Uh, Michael Steiner, one of the board members for Porsche on the R&D department, where he basically confirmed that they are evaluating LMDH, which was great to hear at that time. It seems that Porsche's no further along than where they are Back then, they're still evaluating, but they're ultimately waiting on those regulations to be finalized before going into a full conceptual design evaluation, figuring out what the feasibilities are. But um, I think it's still really great to see that they haven't said no. They're still very interested. Um, Based on what I'm hearing, I think it's a very likely proposition of it happening. Um, But the big question comes, at Will it come at as a sacrifice of their GTE program? And Pascal said it's unclear. It's not. There hasn't been a decision made. Um, they had the GTE program going when they had the LMP1 program going, both as factory programs in the past. Um, we've heard a little bit otherwise in in previous months. We don't know if it's changed amid all the the latest worldwide developments. But um, you know, it, it it seems to be that if a manufacturer would go into LMDH, not just Porsche, I would say even the likes of Ferrari. Um, if they go on full with a full factory program in LMDH, I think a GTE factory program would be unlikely just because the budgets, the resources are very similar on in, in terms of the level levels needed for both of those programs. Something like LMP1, for instance, was in in a totally different ballpark, totally different range. And we no longer have those kind of budgets in racing, especially now where everything will be even even closer uh, observed and and scrutinized. So um, I still hold firm on the belief that if Porsche commits to LMDH, I think it'll come at a consequence of their factory GTE program. And that's Clear to be made that it's factory um the current 911 rsrs are will be eligible i think through the end of 2023 and there's still a lot of customers racing them in in europe and in WEC. so i don't think we'll see those go away anytime soon it just more more might be a case of their factory involvement in in, in gte pro and gtlm but again that's only speculation nothing confirmed by the manufacturer and. I guess they have to wait on the regulations being revealed and confirmed first before making a decision if they'll even go that route. But um, as it stands now, I think it's pretty likely we'll see them in LMDH. It's more of a question of what's next from that point forward.
1: Okay, more on that can be found at our story with, at sportscar365.com. Uh, let's close the show this week with some news out of SRO America. Personnel change behind the scenes, John. A guy who's been around the series for a long time, no longer, and uh, and what? First of all, can you take us through the details, and also uh, what what the repercussions might be?
0: Yeah. So uh, news reached us uh, late last week that Marcus Hasselgrove, um, the former VP of Competition and Operations of SRO America, has um, been let go from the company effective immediately, and this is from what we understand is sort of been directly tied to the coronavirus situation and sort of a. Uh, a tightening of budgets from sro america Uh, marcus had been with the company for quite a while since 2014 actually when he replaced um jeff carter as the director of of competition back then in what was known as wc vision this was prior to sro's buyout of the series or majority buyout of the series and um, marcus had done a lot for the 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 company um, running their competition department technical department helping oversee the introduction of gt3 cars um GT4, um, you know, he he put a lot of those things together. And obviously, in the recent years, as SRO took a bigger involvement in the series, I, I think his role sort of diminished in some ways because SRO had their own people globally that oversaw a lot of those departments. And um, unlike WC Vision, which had a person for every department, SRO used, utilizes global staff members to oversee each of their series they don't have a specific person for every series other than the series manager which in the case is um greg gill and and as he's the president and ceo of sro america and that's not changing for for the foreseeable future from what we're told so um basically this is kind of just a, a tightening of of things within the company um no no disrespect no nothing performance related or anything you know related to marcus's track record from what we understand um to be clear sro america declined comment when asked about this they say they do not comment on staffing matters but um we do understand this was uh decided last week and um marcus is no longer with the company but we wish him well we hope he finds a, a, a job in the future it's really tough times out there for everybody and i think um you know it's a shame that it's happened right now but I think it sort of has come, unfortunately, as one of the first casualties of the tightening of the motorsports world in what we're going to be seeing once racing returns. I think it's going to look a lot different in a lot of areas, not just in a couple management positions in one series. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of tightening of budgets, tightening of of, of operations, um, fewer race teams existing. Uh, you just have to go look back at the last economic downturn of 2008 and 2009 and and see how things changed in the matter of a few months back then. I think we're in for a bit of a similar path, unfortunately, at least for the next few years.
1: Well, some of that news already trickling out. I mean, we've seen NASCAR uh, announcing some pay cuts to some of their staff. Indianapolis Motor Speedway has gone through some things like that similarly here recently. So, Yep, it's happening all across the board. Very unfortunate and difficult times indeed. So we'll have to see where this heads from here. That's going to be it for us on the show this week. If you'd like more on those stories and a whole lot more, you can check out sportscar365.com. And we'll be back next week with our next edition of the Double Stint Podcast. More news and also listener questions, you can submit them in the comment section or by using the hashtag AskDoubleStint. Until then, so long.